This is Daft About Craft, the craft beer podcast, proudly brought to you in association with independent bottle shop Real Ale. You can buy online at realale.com and in-store at Twickenham, Notting Hill and Maida Vale. Follow them on Instagram at realale underscore LTD. Welcome to episode number 11 of Daft About Craft, the craft beer podcast. We're both here as usual. It's me, Dave D. And me, Dave B. And we've got an absolutely rammed podcast coming up for you today with all sorts of things, including something rather special. We've got coming up today our usual features, which we'll tell you about in a minute, but we've also got joining us on the podcast some guys with a camera, and they're filmmakers from Liverpool who are in the process of putting together a brand new six-part mini-series, which will be available to stream on Amazon Prime, and they're going to be here telling you all about it and about their target of raising £2,000, which you can help out with and get your name in the credits or even a beer named after yourself in the program sounds amazing dave doesn't it it does it's it's really exciting and something that was is completely out of our usual field of expertise but it just it's craft beer so we were excited straight away and we were in and having met the chaps even more in like can't wait for it to come out it's going to be a year or so so you've got to wait a little while but you can certainly get in at the ground floor and help them out We've also got a brew to me feature. We've got not hypod tripe this time, but something a little bit different to replace it with three custard beers, Dave. Yes, we thought we'd we'd make this slightly different this month, just because there wasn't probably one outstanding hypod tripe candidate that we saw, which you could probably get your hands on easily. Whereas turning point going full circle for those who've been with us from episode one and if you've not please go back and always listen from the start because Cameron from Turning Point was on our very first episode in the meet the brewery phase or meet the brewery feature and those guys at Turning Point have released three custard beers this month and we're going to road test all three and we're getting Cameron just to run us through what to expect from them as well so it's sort of an interactive taste along and hopefully if you've been following our social media pages mainly instagram but also a bit of uh, facebook and twitter you'll know all about our drink along with us section this time which is uh, brought to you along with our sponsors real ale and we've got two beers which you'll know about which you'll be drinking on the podcast and hopefully you've got them in front of you and you'll be opening them and drinking them too so we can compare notes we've got galaxies apart from gravity well and we've got a Saison from New Barnes Brewery. So hopefully you've got them ready to roll and you'll tell us what you think of them. And then if that wasn't enough, we do have a brewery to talk to and we are getting the lowdown on Mad Yank Brewing, which is a husband and wife effort between Larissa and Grant. They've been around a little while. They do some very quirky flavours. They're really centred on the flavour, I would say, but we had a chat to them about their beers and hopefully you'll enjoy that as well. So there's loads and loads coming up. So without further ado, 
let's crack straight on. So the first feature we always do, we do like to have some traditional elements to the podcast, although we do keep trying to change things on a pretty regular basis. But first up, we always do Brew to Me. Concept of Brew to Me is a brewery that we have not sampled before. Have a beer, see what we think of it. Now I'm going first and I have got a beer called Don't Overthink Your Socks and that is from Nightjar Brew Co. They are based up in the Hebden area. So we're sort of in the same territory as Vocation. We're up in Yorkshire, very fertile ground, for plenty of craft brewing. As I understand it, having had a little dive into the about section for Nightjar, they were around before in the cask area. They brewed as slightly foxed at the start of the 2010-2011. And then as obviously the beer industry has very much changed, they rebranded themselves and came back as Nightjar in 2018. And now they've got more of a crafty offering. There's quite a lot they've got on their website. Had a chat to them via Instagram. Seemed like very nice guys. Uh, Placed an order and don't overthink your socks is a 6.2% DD is a 6.2% DDH IPA. So it's right in my wheelhouse. Anything DDH, which is double dry hopped, I am very excited about. Lots of hops in this as well. There's Citra, Mosaic, Amarillo, Chinook. And then what could be the perhaps slightly divisive element, uh, Econo or Econo. I never know how to pronounce that one. But that's an interesting mix, isn't it? Because uh, you've got your traditional hops in there that you see a lot of, the sort of mainstay of the craft scene, and then a uh, couple of slightly different ones as well. be interesting to see how this pans out and wh- which ones come across more. Yeah, absolutely. I had a beer with Echino. Apologies if I'm going to mispronounce that the whole way through. But anyway, I had a beer with that hop in it not too long ago from Pressure Drop, and it was actually quite nice. It was mixed with Columbus. Again, a hop I don't love, but rather than making it really sort of, it goes quite floral and herby, doesn't it, would be my sort of take on it. And Mm. a little bit dank and a little, I mean, this is don't overthink your socks. Well, Echino to me is a little bit wet sock sometimes, so I'm hoping it's not quite like that. But that's it's that sort of smell and taste. It's quite earthy, herbaceous. But anyway, How this is straight up my street straight away, as you can see out the glass. Can't see through it. It's always a great starting point when you've got a big glass of yellow liquid you can't see through. You, you, your hopes are raised when it looks like that. What, what's it smell like? Uh, quite citra. Quite okay. citra, probably a bit of amarillo as well. So it's nice and fruity. There's no da- no dank to that at all. The tasting notes are saying that there should be lychee, overripe mango, soft peach, and bubblegum flavours with zesty citrus and pineapple on the nose. I've seen a f- a quite but, a few beers recently that, that that claim to have the bubblegum flavour, but that's I, I don't get that very often. Depends which bubblegum it is, I guess. I mean, I, I haven't had bubblegum for donkey's years, but I mean, hubba bubba and that, if that's what we're going down, then it should be strawberry-ish that's what it always makes me think of yeah but don't disagree with the nose it's citra and and it is pineapple so it's a promising start okay that's really enjoyable the 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 echino you can know is there but it's on the back end and then it just makes it slight slightly bitter with the double dry hopping but it doesn't take over whatsoever it's still quite a fruity bit and and the Double dry hopping's not very heavy. It's quite a it's quite a, a smooth beer. It doesn't sort of start fruity and then really dry out and really go quite bitter with that double dry hop, which you can get. It 
it's it's smooth more more than anything. You don't always want that business at, at the end, do you? That the, the double dry hopping can give you. That sounds like a nice beer. It is a nice beer. I I agree with again what they've said on what what I should be getting. I get some peach. I get some mango. I possibly get lychee, although I struggle to pick that flavour out of the crowd. Bubble gum. I don't know. I'm with you. I think that's a very hard thing. Unless you're going to get it really artificially sweet, I think that's probably quite a hard thing to pick out. Very enjoyable. Wow, sounds like we're on to a winner. Well, while you're uh, diving through that, shall I open? Mm, Yeah, crack on. In the interest of keeping it fair, when we do this feature, usually the other person doesn't know what we've got. And to make this even fairer, I've got three beers here, Dave, all from Brewtoon, and I want you to pick which one I'm going to open. Oh, this is exciting and completely unexpected. Yeah, well, we like to uh, keep it fresh. So we've got mm. Brutoon. These are all sours, so they've got three sours. This one is called Goost, which, as you can imagine, is um, gooseberry, a gooseberry sour. Then we've got Cherry Crush, black cherry sour. And the third one I've got here, because I wanted to sample the full range at some point, is called Sour to the People, and it's a rhubarb and strawberry sour. So I'm going to let you pick which one. Well, I think, having now done this a while, I think if you were picking yourself, you'd pick the gooseberry one. (laughs) Okay. And the second one you'd pick would be the rhubarb one with the strawberry. And we had a rhubarb sour via drink-along, which leaves, by process of elimination, the dark cherry, which I don't think would be your go-to. So I think that's the one to put you under to start with. Evil. Evil character. Yeah, I wouldn't have picked that, probably. I'm not, I've said it before, actually. You know, I'm not a massive fan of cherries in beer. Mm. So uh, you've, done, you've, you've done the right thing there. Right, so Brewtoon were established in 2017, and they're from the most eastern point of mainland Scotland in uh, Peterhead. They say on their website they like to uh, create bold, adventurous craft beers packed full of flavour and character. Uh, well, you... is it with Scotland and Sours, just to interject? Well, it's you know, Obviously, your, your Vault City fandom is well documented. Yeah. I keep coming across more and more breweries in Scotland who are specialising in Sours. Uh, what was that one I found uh, just the other day? Oh, um, Upfront Brewing. Upfront Brewing, yeah, they're another one. So it seems like uh, it's a real haven and hotbed for sours. Somebody put me on to Brewtoon recently. I hadn't heard of them before. When that happens, it, it makes you wonder how many other breweries mm. out there are just waiting to be discovered. So it, this feature is really good for allowing us to find more and more. Now, that nose is its just full of dark cherries, that nose is. So what, what's it promising here? Obviously, I know dark cherry sour is the obvious answer, but are we in the sort of... Black Forest, or well, that's what uh, that's what I that's what I'd be thinking. So, right, Cherry Crush, Cherry Crush blends together a variety of juicy cherries that creates a sharp sour resembling of your favourite childhood slushy. Do you know I never really drank slushies as a kid? No, I didn't. I remember, yeah, slush puppies were a big thing. I never mm. really got it. So, yeah, normally. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, We've conditioned this sour ale on extra cherries to crank up the juiciness and added some milk sugar to balance the tart levels with some sweet, creamy goodness. Now, pouring it out, that's not necessarily the colour I'd expect. Nor perhaps the thickness. Exactly. It's quite watery, isn't it? It looks thin and it's more of a... It'd be several shades up from from dark cherry, actually. It'd be more uh, ruby, I guess. That'd be fair. 
Almost. Is it the colour of Vimto? I haven't had that for years. It's a bit lighter than a Vimto, I would say. It's um, it's beyond the orange of an iron brew, but it's it's almost if there was sort of a rusty iron brew, which sounds terrible, but I don't mean it like that. It's just trying to get the colour. I can detect that uh, milk sugar. Mm-hmm. It does smell quite sweet, considering it's a sour, but that's not a problem at all. It's a little bit tarty. I said this before. It's one of the, one of those uh, uh, fruit tastes that always makes me sweat a little bit. Yeah, when that happens, that is a certain amount of tartiness in there that does that. But I like that. That's very pleasant. Is it predominantly cherry? Is it cherry tartness, or is it that milk sugar? What's sort of? It's, or is it well? Is it evenly balanced? It, it's a bit like cherry aid, to be honest. Mm, okay. When I was a kid, one of our neighbours, uh, I used to go around to one of our neighbours and she always used to have it. And it was a real treat to have a, mm. a glass of Cherryade because uh, we never had it. But this is like that, but with a little bit of vanillary creaminess, almost like actually a cream soda. Ooh, that, okay. Well, I'm interested then. As much as I don't have much of a sweet tooth on sort of non-craft drinks, I do. Don't, I don't mind a cream soda. Yeah, for me, that's what it is. It's a cream soda. It's not sour. It's tart rather than sour. But you want to keep going back and having more. So a tart cherry cream soda. Mm. That be fair. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that, that sounds pretty good. What strength is it, by the way? That is five point seven. Doesn't taste like mm. it at all. If if you'd have told me that was three and a half percent, I wouldn't have. Um, I would know no better. It doesn't taste five point seven. And these are all in bottles. What is it again also with Scotland yeah. and bottles? Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, Vault City as well. They they deal exclusively in bottles, so So how's your how's yours tasting now? Have you finished it or have you still got some left? I've nearly finished it and it's six point two and it's not touched for sides. So much like yours, no idea on the strength, like in terms of it doesn't translate at all. So this is two very different beers and two ringing endorsements for them. This is just really well made for the style. I would say, have I had a similar beer before? Definitely, because there's only X amount of things I I think you can do with a DDH. But it's really well executed. They seem predominantly pale, but they do have a, there's a cherry porter, going back to cherries, and there's also an imperial stout. And there was a sour, but that sold out because unfortunately we couldn't get hold of that. Um, there was a milkshake IPA as well. So they're, they're, they've certainly got a few different things. And I believe they said when we got in touch with them just to have a chat and let them know they were, they'd be featuring that there's a, there's a dipper coming along from them as well. So they're, they're busy brewing away. But yeah, I've got, I've got absolutely no complaints. Really good beer. Happily order it again. Happily drink it again. And how much, how much was, was it? I don't think any of the cans on their web shop are more than five something. And I think that was only the Imperial Stout. I think a lot of the pails were weighing in at four pounds something, which is very reasonable. It's interesting, isn't it? We found quite a few breweries recently where their beers are not that much, but they're really good. Mm. We had New Bristol last time. Again, most of their beers were under four pounds. Very impressive. And we've got it here again. And this, this brew tune I'm drinking, this was from their web stories, £2.90 for a bottle. That is that is very impressive. And the Sour to the People we mentioned is also £2.90 as well. And I think the other one. So that's an absolute bargain, isn't it? Yeah, they're all those three sours are all two ninety. And they got they got loads of different stuff on their uh, their website. Brewtune.com. Have a little look and uh well, 
if they're all as good as this, you won't be disappointed if you uh, put in an order. So there you go. That's a ringing endorsement for Brewtoon and also a ringing endorsement for Nightjar. <laughs> so time for something completely different for ourselves on the podcast. We are joined by four members of Some Guys With A Camera. And the reason they are all joining us to have a good old chinwag about craft beer is because they've got a very exciting project in the works to do with the subject so guys if you just sort of want to introduce us introduce yourselves and we will uh, we'll go from there so i'm matt i am the writer and director of virtual pints i'm john i'm matt's brother and i'm playing the lead character william birchall in virtual pints i'm connor and i'm playing the co-lead character thomas birchall john's character's brother i'm phil redgrave and i'm playing alfie giggelsberg in virtual pints so first of all where did the name come from, Birchall's Pints? It's very strange. I feel like every every film or show I've ever made, the title's the last thing I come up with, or it's the very first thing I come up with. And in this case, it was the very first thing I came up with. The project started off as a joke, which I tend to say about every project, but this really did just start as a joke. What if we made a show where John and Connor played brewers? And it just started off as this inside joke for ages. Every time we had a beer together, it'd be like, oh, uh, remember Birchall's Pints? Like, what if that actually happens? And then all of a sudden it came about. I think Birchall's just really sounds like the name of a brewery. And we were really lucky in the sense that it's not an already existing one. Or it's not one, not one so big that people would, you know, take us to court or something. So you guys have obviously done some other work as well. Tell us a little bit about that and then how this this new project has come to bear, really. So me and Matthew have been making films in like our back garden since we were about five and seven or something like that. And about four years ago, we met Connor on like this project that was like an anti-bullying film. And then since then, like after that project, we were like, we don't want to just make educational films. We want to go out and make the films that we want to make. So we set up some guys with the camera. And since then, we've done like all different sorts of films. So we've done like comedies, like ridiculous comic book style films. We've done like character studies. We've done like a World War One horror. Over last summer, we made like a romantic drama. So we just like experimenting with all different types of genres and styles of film. And then we thought we've always wanted to do like a web series for so long. And the idea behind Virgil's Pines is it's a mix kind of of everything that we've ever done. So there's comedy, there's tragedy, there's ups and downs. There's a whole like there's a whole like cast of outrageous characters and like brilliant people. And I think it's kind of like a celebration of everything that we love about not only like films and filmmaking, but like beer and like going to the pub. And especially after the last mm. year we've had. Was this inspired by um, the Netflix series Beer Brothers at all? We ha- we'd had this idea for months. Then uh, John was saying, you know, that we can't make Virtual's Pints now because there's this Netflix show that's just dropped. And I had my head in my hands like, no, can we not, can we not make it? Even though we came up with it first, probably. But no, it, it, I, I think there's definitely enough difference between... I've not actually seen uh, Beer Brothers, but I think there's enough difference for that's us probably, to be an original thing. That's probably Bruce a good Brothers thing. Brothers is, is heavily Americanized as well. Like, it's very tapped into the American craft scene. So I think the British scene is suitably diverse. You, you can easily put something together which can stand alone and be different. This will be one of the most British things you ever see. So we should say it's a, a six-part miniseries that you're producing. This is by far the biggest thing you've ever done, isn't it? Definitely, yeah. Um, I think the the, big, like, the, big, the biggest budget we've had like, so far is like 20 quid or something. So this is a step up. <laughs> and you're, trying to, you're currently looking to try and raise uh, £2,000, and you're nearly halfway there already on your, uh, your campaign. Just 
55 more pounds and we've got a grand and we're only 20 days in so that's very encouraging so far so that that 2000 pounds you're looking to get what will that go towards it'll just make it feel more like real so a lot of like costumes props locations that we wouldn't have been able to get without the money and then also we've got a couple of really good like local actors who we've admired for a while who are coming out to like be in a couple of scenes so that'll be really fun we also want to like look at things like paying for actors whereas we wouldn't be able to get actors like money with because it's so hard to like raise enough money to be able to pay people we'll be able to get like transport and like provide food and things like that for actors as well brilliant i guess stephen graham probably won't even though he's low <laughs> i guess he's probably a bit out of the budget range one day moment, one day yeah. let's raise let's raise the thing a little bit we can get him uh, yeah, yeah. when he's hoping to get this this series sort of up and running then when can people hopefully be able to, to watch it hope to be able to watch it spring 2022 hopefully i think what we're going to do is drop them all at once for people to binge with a few beers it's like one friday rather than weekly yeah because i think it is a show that has you on the edge of your seat there's a lot of cliffhangers at the end of episodes that you just want to really find out what happens next i feel like some episodes are more sad and some episodes are more funny so what we're doing is hopefully dropping them all at once and then you can end whenever you like it's a good idea that there's nothing worse than when you get to the end of one and having to wait up a week for the next one hate that yeah it's a culture now as well isn't it that we're in this binging culture now it should it should all be available at the touch rather than just that weekly episodic nature of things which we used to have so Definitely. And you can sort of sense how that's harmed things. Um, like if you look at WandaVision, for example, so many people ended up feeling disappointed by that because they had a week in between things to theorize and be like, oh, this crazy, amazing thing's going to happen. And then when it doesn't end up happening, everyone's like, oh, I liked it better when it was in my head. Although I think that there is a, you know, there's something about the anticipation of, of theorizing. Are these sort of going to be sort of 20, half an hour long episodes? So what, we, what we talking time-wise with them? They're all between 25 minutes and half an hour. I think the first episode's just over half an hour. So we should ask, this is all about the craft beer industry. Do you drink craft beer? I don't think any of us drank it about a year ago. I hate to admit it, but I actually came up with the idea for the show whilst drinking, of all things, Carling. Don't worry, I've converted completely. I kind of found whilst we were brainstorming the show that just the craft beer industry is just so much more interesting. I feel like the big beer companies, there's not much going on other than let's make something really accessible that everyone would want but craft beer has a, such a personality and so many interesting characters and you feel like these characters in the show they love what they're doing they're not just doing it to make money a few, a few years ago is when i was the first got me into like stronger beers more personalized beers i as an old speckled hen had a party a few years ago and that as <laughs> i haven't really drank you know the your watered down industrial stuff since then you know <laughs> You've become a bit of a like a beer snob, haven't you, Connie? I have, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I think I think I had a tried to have a Corona extra, like just after Christmas, and I had to spit it out because it was. Do you know, <laughs> I experienced yeah. the same sort of thing recently. I think that yeah. might have been at Christmas. Somebody gave me one. I couldn't drink it. It's it's weird how your taste yeah. becomes tuned into something else. So we said before you're aiming for two thousand pounds. If people want to get involved. There's loads of different ways they can do it. Well, tell us about it. It doesn't matter how much you donate, essentially. If you literally just hear us now and think a show about craft beer, I would 100% watch that when it comes out. 
just drop us a tenner and we'll thank you in the credits. That's the cheapest perk we have available. Got you can you can have a beer named after you in the show. You can have your brewery sponsor the show and have your beer in the show throughout. There's all sorts of different perks that you can donate. I love the idea of that. It's great. Paying a tenner and seeing your name come up at the end of a, a show on Amazon Prime is fantastic. I love that. As is our understanding. This is coming out on Amazon Prime, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's not but- being produced by Amazon Prime, but it will be going on it. So it's not like we work for Amazon. We, re- we really are just a little independent. It helps us get out there, doesn't it? So if people want to get in touch and, um, and give you some money to help fund this project, how do they do it? You can find us on Instagram at some guys with a camera, all one word. The link to our Indiegogo page is in our bio there. If you don't have Instagram, if you just Google Birchall's Pints Indiegogo, it should come up. If you can't find it for whatever reason, email sgwacfilms at gmail.com and I'll send you the link. As we said at the top, it's all about something different and this just sounds so good and it's it, it, it's part of craft as well because you're not, you know, MGM or something. It's a Each project we've done has had a community element. That community just gets bigger though each time and it's about, you know, it's. I think it's really nice when you can, you know, expand from like just, you know, your your nan watching it and then you go to you know your mates watching it and then you go to you know people in your town watching it your locals or whatever and then eventually you know you get to a lot of people worldwide watching it and i think it's you know, it's really nice to expand but still keep the feeling of of a community basically yeah which is good with the crowdfunding because it's you know it's funded by the people for the people well we wish you the best of luck it sounds fantastic and uh... yeah it really does really does thank you so much Thank you very much. So next up, a nice snappy little feature which we've recently introduced called Tried and Tested. So this is where we just run through our very favourite beer since the last episode of Daft About Craft. Just one beer from each of us. And the beer I've enjoyed most was from Rivington, Never Known Fog Like It. Now I actually had actually had this on the, on keg it was an absolute delight to have something on keg again. Thick, fruity, bitter, bitter end to it. Never known fog like it. If you can get hold of some, get some. You won't be disappointed. Moving on to mine. My favourite beer that I've had since the last episode was by Don Zoko, and it was called Edge of Town. Automatically gets extra points because there is a somewhat Bruce Springsteen reference in there, but... It is a beer I would hope the boss himself would enjoy. It was a classic IPA, and I don't much care for West Coast IPAs, but this was superb. It was dry enough without being face puckering. It was piney enough without being overpowering. And then there was a nice little bit of caramel on the back end just to sort of round things off. Really superb beer, went down really nicely. And it's a great advertisement for Don Zoko as Reese is sort of perhaps people will think of him and just think of the lagers, but obviously can do other styles as well. So if you're putting a Don Zoko order in and Edge of Town is available, get yourself some. Okay, so we've got some guests on the programme now. We've got the Mad Yank Brewery. We're joined by Larissa and Grants. Well, thank you very much for inviting us. So we we sort of stumbled across you a few months ago. How how long have you been have you been going for? We went to market exactly two years ago. Started very locally with uh, with our local bottle shop, Beer Asylum, and since we've moved on to a handful of other bottle shops in the area. Um, 
let's see, about one year ago, wasn't it, that we did our collab with? About a year and a half ago. Yeah. With the Hobby Place Hobby in, Windsor. in Windsor. So, and then, like everyone else, uh, during lockdown, decided it was time to pivot. Yeah, pivot, <laughs> get on the ball, get the, the web shop put together. And uh, I think that's when we found a slightly larger audience than just the, the 15 mile radius around. Uh, yeah, so sort of the pandemic has helped to get your name out there a lot more. It has, and, and definitely having a web shop and a website, which we didn't have until the pandemic hit. And we're like, oh, well, might as well now. If you go on your on your website, you can get a little bit of an about you guys and how this all came to came to pass. But it's quite an interesting story from what I gather. You were in very different lines of work for a long, long time before sort of making a complete career 180, I guess. Absolutely. You, you were in marketing for, for the most part. I was. Um, so that's there's not a lot of beer production in marketing. Um, <laughs> a lot of beer drinking. For my own part, I would say that my my engineering background certainly brought me closer to brewing on the the chemistry and the heat transfer, the fluid flow, all those principles that we use in nuclear reactors. It all has application in the production of beer. Oddly enough, the chemistry that we use on the secondary side, it's very similar to beer chemistry and water treatments in terms of the additives and, and the, the levels that we maintain. So it was a nice little sidestep into it. So when you sort of put your two skill sets together, I guess, with marketing, so you could, you've, you've got someone who can know how to effectively market a product, it does sound quite a winning combo, but you, I'm you, interested that... You've got all, all angles you covered. You've really got the sci- science. Yeah, you've got the angles covered, but the science side of it, how big a part does that play when you approach brewing? Because you, you sort of get people, I think, the other side is people start just brewing on a really small kit in their garage and they're like, oh, that tastes all right. And then they start experimenting. It sounds like you might have a more, do you have a more sort of methodical approach to it? And at times it's, I would actually reference, there's there's a book that I, I, I don't get paid to plug this. It's just, uh, I, <laughs> it's almost a Bible to me, but it's um, Cooking for Geeks is the title of the book and struggling to remember the author. Um, Jeff Potter. He's a computer programmer you know, by, by trade. He, he was a programmer and, you know, I've educated as a programmer myself. So the, the concept that he has is that you approach every recipe as though it were a program. You have routines, you have variables, you have input, you have output. And when you start thinking about any recipe this way, whether it's cooking or brewing, you start to almost weave a kind of magic. So it deviates from the science portion there. But the science part does come in is with the water chemistry, making sure that we have the right approach in terms of, you know, okay, do I have enough um, calcium ions? Uh, Have I treated the chloramine, effectively removed that to avoid any uh, chlorophenols and adjusting the temperatures correctly in order to to get the proper mash in, to get the proper enzyme action, et cetera. I mean, all all the stuff that homebrewers will attest to in terms of just how much trouble you go through trying to figure it out. It's kind of a combination of the two. You don't want to lean too much towards one direction or the other. Otherwise, it, just for me, my own personal opinion is you, you end up with results that are never quite what you expected. Are you a bit of a perfectionist by any chance? <laughs> How'd you know? <laughs> yeah. We've found this is a bit of a running trait through Brewers. There seems to be quite that almost sort of anal OCD attention to the detail 100 percent correct <laughs> I, I blame my my nuclear naval nuclear power training background on that attention to detail was one of the mantras that got hammered into us over and over and over again that can only serve you well though in this business can't it yeah oh absolutely 
And I guess with your background as well, Larissa, with where you grew up, with all the purity laws of Germany as well, this is sort of like, this cannot be anything but perfection as a beer. Otherwise, you know, either either or both of you are going to be unhappy each time. Definitely. And I mean, no joke, it was a huge learning curve for me when I had my first taste of craft beer back in 2015, 2014, something like that. When we lived in Seattle, I'm like, what is this movie magic? Like there's cherries and there's cacao nibs and you're like, what is happening? And I totally fell in love and I'm fully engrossed in all types of beers that don't abide by the purity laws. <laughs> and I enjoy them. <laughs> so, so both of you... What and I'm converting some of my friends and family as oh, well, so, which is that's hilarious. Gr- <laughs> that's great when you can start converting people. It gives you a bit of a kick, doesn't it, to uh, to see somebody else cross to the other side as well. So It does, absolutely. What are your favourite styles of beers then, both of you? What do you, what do you like to drink? Oh, this sounds so cliché. It depends on my mood. Yep. I love sours, but if, if I'm in the mood to have a stout, I will reach for that 8, 10, 12% stout just because I'm in the mood for it. I mean, yep. and it's such a cliche, but it's the truth. I'm hearing you there. I'm Personally, I'm like that. <laughs> and what about you, Grant? What do you, what do you go for? Well, I, I can concur with the idea that, you know, okay, the, the right beer for the right occasion or the right meal, but there is never an occasion where I would not take a stout. Stout is my go-to. It's one of those styles where you could do anything to it. Pretty much every time you'll get a good result. There's very few exceptions to that rule for me. I thought you might go for the higher ABVs because on your web shop, there's one I see there, your coconuts offend me, 15.6%. You don't see many of that that ABV. ABV very often well we kind of took that as a challenge that was our first collab break beer that we made with a hoppy place and while we're discussing what to brew and you know abv and dave and i we said well let's let's go for like double digits and we didn't take that as stop at 10 and i said well shoot for 10 really means that i can go as far past it as i like yeah uh, so <laughs> that's a challenge <laughs> Uh, I'm drinking Monaco, which is a little impy stout. So we're toasted marshmallow, seven and a half percent. So tone this one down. Although I would say, actually, probably tastes a little bit heavier than it's seven and a half percent. Although we just had a conversation about thick or thin as well before we came on. <laughs> and while it's not thick, it tastes thick and it tastes full of flavour. And the thing I've noticed of having your beers is rather than sort of hot combinations, you, your, your sort of profiles on your bottle are, this is going to taste like pineapple upside down cake, or this is going to be a grapefruit hefeweiss. Mm-hmm. And they are. So you seem really flavor focused rather than sort of hot combos and that. Is that was, is, I, I guess that's sort of the design that you, you want things to, if you say it's going to taste like it, it's going to taste like it. Yeah, somewhat. I mean, we definitely uh, like using hops that lend themselves to certain flavors. Um, Like we've used Eldorado or Lemon Drop specifically for stone fruit flavors or the lemon flavor. Uh, The Lemon Drop was was a huge ad um, that we did for the Lemon Meringue sour that we did. Mm Uh, for trekkers and it's not so much that i have an aversion to using lots of pops and going for big hoppy flavors but at at the time when you know over the last year we were doing the various brews that we were doing is that everyone else was doing such big hoppy juice bombs and nipos mm-hmm. and just everything was so intensely hopped i just said well okay i could do what everybody else is doing or i can zag when everyone else is singing <laughs> yeah. exactly um we're not trying to compete with anyone or push anyone out we we want to make our our own way 
in in the beer industry and still brewing on a pilot kit that yields us about 180 to 200 liters packaged packaged for for each brew gives us the luxury at the moment to to try so many different things which is great fun and then yeah for all the the tasting notes and, and such that we put on there it's it's more that's that's my bad habit of expectation management um i was horrible at that when I was in the Navy. And so my superior officers would often uh, get quite upset with me that things were not working out the way they imagined because I didn't tell them how it would. So now I just, I force that on the labels with, I'm going to tell you exactly what I am doing here and hope that you read it. I think that's a, <laughs> I think that's exactly the right way to go because unless you spell it out to people, people will find fault. But if you've told them how you think it should be exactly, I think, I think that helps a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if you, people, if you promise people the moon, they'll still complain about it, but... I'm with Dave. I think that's the way to go. You can leave it subjective and people can make their own minds up if you give them a nudge. But I like the idea of the brewer saying, this is what I've done to make this taste exactly like this. You're welcome to disagree, but this is what we've gone for. (laughs) So if you don't like it, you know, at least you know what you should be tasting. The the other half is that if you just list the the hops and the grists, um, you have a tendency to appeal just to the more hardcore craft beer fans. And that's one of the things that uh, a friend of ours who is one of the fathers of the jujitsu school that we go to, he talked about how he walked by the bottle shop in our neighborhood so many times, but he never once went in in two, three years of passing it. And his reason was that he, he always looked inside and he felt like, I don't belong there. These people are way more into this and I'm just a, a pedestrian who wants to try some beers. And I was like, I want to make sure that nothing about our branding ever makes somebody feel that way. They should be able to see it, feel some amount of recognition and be able to pick it up and say, I know my way around on this. I can I can find out what I'm trying to find out here without having to decode it. I've long maintained that the whole craft scene intimidates a lot of people. If you can guide people, it will help help them help them and you so much because people people are wary to, to, to tread a new path, aren't they? Exactly. Yeah, there's such a stigma that you have to know about hops and what type of hops and parts, which types of flavors, if it's a late ad and it, you know, whirlpool and this and that. And if you don't, you you shouldn't be able to even purchase a beer that's just not us i mean we're we're so open and welcoming, and we'll explain anything to anyone that that has a question about it and it goes so against what most people get into craft beer for in the first place is the whole hey you know what it's a very friendly sort of environment friendly atmosphere everyone's generally happy to see you but then there's that one little niche of okay there's this there's this gateway this barrier to entry that stops a lot of people from jumping in so I mean, if we can do anything to knock down that barrier and make it easier for people to step up, then well, by all means, we'll do it. Yeah, that's that's such a good message because that's sort of what we try and do with, with the podcast as well. Like we, we don't want it to be this, oh, you 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 can't taste for 25 kilos of X <laughs> in the whirlpool. Well, it, what are you even doing listening to this? No, it, you know, it should be, the idea should be this beer, these beers are so much better than macros of produce stuff on mass try them yeah. and enjoy them and just like we want you you know we want you to try them and enjoy them and then try something else and enjoy that and if you don't find something that you do like and that it should just be a free-for-all and a, an open book for everyone exactly you shouldn't have to 
feel the anxiety like you you forgot to study for the test when you pick up the beer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a really good 100%. way of putting it. I should say that I'm drinking Mad Yanks 12% No Evil British Imperial Stout. This is the first Mad Yank I've ever had, so straight in with the big one. There's no doubting that's 12%, is there? That's, uh, <laughs> that smacks you right no. around the face. What, what was the thinking with that beer? I, I wish I'd ordered one. I didn't, and I got it for you and then sent it up to you, Dave. Mm. But what, 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 A, what does it taste like for you? And then uh, once you've done that, if you guys, have, what, what was the sort of thinking with this with this beer? The aroma, it's supposed to have a hint of banana, and I'm, I'm smelling it. I'm thinking, I don't really get that banana, but I know what it is. It's like a baked banana smell that I get from it, a real deep, real deep aroma. And it's quite, it is quite sweet with sort of toffee and raisins and what have you, but not overly sweet. I've had a lot of stouts recently that really taste like they've had the sugar bowl thrown at them and they're just, you know, I can't, I can't even drink them. I mean, you, you nailed it. That was the request. This was another collab that we did with a, another bottle shop, this one in Marlowe, Crafty Taproom. And they approached us with the idea of they wanted a heavy, you know, high imperial. They wanted to go higher than our last, uh, our last big stout. But they wanted that banana foster, bananas foster sort of dessert flavor to it. And we pushed back a little bit on that and said, well, bananas and beer, it, it's such a niche. Like a lot of people are turned off by that because either it's way too much or it tastes just really fake and not. Uh, but we gave it a think, and I went back to the drawing board, and you know, put on my scientist hat, and I said, okay, well, bananas. It's a specific ester, isoamyl acetate, that gives bananas what we understand as a banana flavor. Uh, naturally occurs, there's a particular kind of banana that I under, uh, my understanding is it's almost, almost completely extinct, extinct. Yeah. and it had such high concentrations of it that it's, tasted of you know what we consider to be candy banana or over the top banana flavor it got wiped out the the current bananas that we have everywhere don't have nearly as much and so we've lost that association so i thought okay i can either match up a ton of bananas or my my knowledge of how hefeweizen yeast produces a a detectable amount of isoamyl acetates in hefeweizen. I said, well, why don't we why don't we do something absurd and make the stout per the recipe? Uh, we put in a lot of black treacle in order to get you know molasses in order to get that sort of rum raisin dark sort of caramel burnt taste. caramel sugary taste burnt bread sort of flavor to go with the chocolate malts that we put in the grist, and then let's ferment it with a half of ice and yeast first. The amount of isoamyl acetate in there is enough that if you're sensitive to it, it's strong bananas. If you're like me and just average on it, you can you can detect it. But interestingly enough, for a lot of people, they are not sensitive to that particular ester. And so they detect no bananas at all. So we'll we'll see check-ins across the board on untapped of, oh my God, this tastes of rotten or smells of rotten bananas. And then the next person says, Wow, uh, a banana beer that has no hint of banana. Imagine that. For me, it's there. It's it's not massive. It's just quite subtle in the background. I love the fact that the uh, the best before date is uh, is December twenty thirty. I love that. <laughs> I almost want to get another one and keep it for another ten years and see what it's like uh, down the line. He had a customer did that did that, and he wrote me a couple of weeks ago, and he was like, "Yeah, it didn't work." No. <laughs> 
where do you see yourself going uh, further down the line? What do you what do you want to achieve with your with your brewery? We're looking to expand and have a much larger brewery kit and tap room and one and just have it a destination of a welcome family feel that everyone is able to come and mm. just enjoy a good time and a really nice beer without having to understand what's going on in the background about the brew and about the beer. Yep. The funny thing is we, we have a 10 barrel kit that was supposed to be installed just over a year ago, but the lease fell through on that location because it wasn't the use class that it was supposed to be. Um, so we, we put that in mothballs and I, I tried to convince Larissa to let me set it up. It's only nine feet tall, but we didn't put it in the garage. <laughs> We're negotiating on a lease on a much larger space right now. That's if everything comes to fruition, then you know, come September, October, we'll we'll be commissioning the new ten barrel kits and uh, putting things on tap directly in the brew house. Once we with we get the bigger kit online and you know start doing events from the tap room, we'll, we'll definitely have some uh, got some ideas for some simulcast <laughs> kind of events where you know mm. people can drink from afar and uh, locally, and it will all be synced up. So watch this space. I have a feeling that uh, the tap room at Mad Yank might be one of the destinations we'll be heading to once the world opens up again. A massive thanks to Grant and Larissa there from the Mad Yank Brewing Company. Really interesting insight into a, a massively innovative operation. So cans at the ready. It's time to drink along with us. This is the part of the podcast where we team up with our sponsor, Real Ale. And we get a couple of cans, which we've advertised on social media. Hopefully you've got them as well, and you'll enjoy drinking the beers as we drink ours. So there was two you could get hold of this month at a special discounted rate. There was a Saison from New Barns and a beer from Gravity Well. Which one are we starting with, Dave? What should we go for first? Let's start with New Barns, the Saison Pilsner called Nice One. If you've had any New Barns before, they operate more in the sort of lager sphere of things, which I really enjoy. I think their beers are very, very good, so I was really excited to sort of try one for drink-along purposes. This is a bit of a collab, actually, which I didn't realise. It's with their good buddy Callum, which... Uh, would be from Sonnen Hill in Canada. It's a Saison Pilsner, and it's interesting, actually, because you can't see through it, can you? I don't know. I haven't poured it out yet. I suppose I should, really. No, you can't. I'm ashamed to say, you know, I've never actually had any new barns. One of those, it's often on the radar, and I see it and never get hold of one, so I'm glad to finally got round. I like the can design, by the way, before we go any further. It's sort of bright green can with just the words nice one in a bit of a funky font. New Barns remind me with their can art of really sort of retro-y 70s, 80s sports shirts or kits for mm, whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, I, I, see I, that. I always find their ones quite stand out quite a lot. It's a little bit Saison-y on the nose, but then to taste, it's Pilsner, I think. Yeah, I don't get a great deal of Saison from the from the taste. Not not what I would imagine it to be. It's, it's lovely and crisp. It's so mm, drinkable, I think. I'd probably say that's sort of 95% Pilsner, 5% Saison. If I didn't know about the Saison element, I might not even pick it up, to be honest. That's fine with me, though. I sort of associate New Barns with really easy drinking beers. Mm. Nights are getting longer, and I think that's a spot-on beer for that sort of sort of time period. Early evening, crack one of these open to start, start a little session. I was in the garden the other day, cut the lawn, finished cutting the lawn, 
I thought I could do is sitting down in that chair over there now and cracking open a beer, and this one would uh, be perfect for the job. Easy drinking, light, fresh, won't do you too much damage at 4%. You could easily uh, knock off a couple of those, couldn't you? So that was the first of the two beers. Let's hope the second beer is just as good. Galaxies Apart by Gravity Well Brewing Company, and they're based in London, so nice and local to our sponsors, Real Ale. And we've got a New England IPA, 6%. It is double dry hopped with Citra and Enigma. It smells very nice and fruity, and it looks very nice and hazy in the glass as well. So we should be on to a winner. certainly does. I'm expecting a bit of a sort of a juice bomb at the front and it to be a bit bitter at the back end. Let's see how it fares. It's exactly that, isn't it? I think it is. It's nice and juicy to start. I wouldn't say there's a distinct fruit. The dry hop takes over on the back end and you can easily go back for more and more. So for anybody who maybe hasn't had these two beers and drunk along with us today, you can still pop along to breatheale.com and grab hold of them. I think with our discount code, Dave, which is drink along with us, you can get the pair for a little more than £8, I think. And there's loads of other stuff on the uh, on the website as well. You can chuck in your basket and uh, have that delivered to you. Absolutely. They're always getting new stock in. There's plenty to choose from. Have a look on there. See what you find to tickle your fancy. And speaking of tickling your fancy, if there's something you wouldn't mind us trying to get hold of for the next episode and and having a little drink along with us, do let us know, be it a style or a brewer or something, and we'll see what we can do. Well, regular listeners to Daft About Craft will be familiar with hearing this every month. But it's not time for Hype or Tripe on this episode. We've got something completely different. Do you want to tell everybody about it, Dave? So we do try and do different things all the time. And when we were coming around to record this episode, nothing was really standing out as being a really obvious Hype or Tripe contender. And then a couple of Fridays ago, happened to spot that our friends at Turning Point, who have just turned four, they'd released a little pack of three custard beers now we thought it would be a very good idea to try all three and we got our friend from turning point cameron to talk us through the series and what you should be getting for each beer we've got sort of an interactive taste experience basically so we're going to go through the three beers which we've got lined up in front of us but before we sample each one of the trio we're going to get cameron to do the talking over to you cameron hello guys uh daft about craft it's cameron here from turning point Bruco. just going to talk you quickly through the three custard beers so we wanted to brew something a little bit different for our fourth birthday celebrations can't believe it's been four years since we started but here we are so we brewed yellow matter custard uh initially in i think it was 2018 as our special for our local festival, the York Camera Beer Festival. And this kind of built on a recipe that I had from the start of the brewery, which actually never came to light, which was like a sessionable vanilla cask pale ale called Avalon, which eventually became our uh, 3.8 extra extra pale ale and eventually became yellow matter custard. So as you know, it's a 6% lactose milky sweet pale ale, with loads and loads and loads of vanilla, a couple of different interesting malts in there, some dark Munich, really heavy addition of oats, and of course, as per the title of the beer, Vanilla Wheat Pale, lots of wheat as well. 
just gives it that nice sort of full-bodied feel that matches the sweetness from the vanilla. A little bit of a different beer. It's not got anything too complex in there, but it's not really what you'd expect to drink from a for a 6% pale ale. Very few hops got into it. But what we enjoy about it, it's just really, really satisfying, sort of silky, sweet, delicious beer. We rebrewed it once, I think in 2019, and then decided to bring it back for the first time in cans. This is the first batch we've ever done. And there's been a lot of people asking us to make this for quite a long time. Well, we've both got our cans in front of us. I'm going to pour mine out right now. Certainly smells of custard, doesn't it, Dave? When I sort of cracked the can, it wasn't really coming through. But as soon as you actually pour it out and let, let it breathe, the custard starts to come through more and more and more. I was sort of really thinking it was going to be a really light yellowy colour, but it's actually a bit more orange. But the vanilla on the nose is is really heavy and it is now sort of really smelling like vanilla custard. I love a bit of custard. love a custard slice, as you might have seen on Instagram. Dave, what do you think about custard? I love custard as well. I love a custard slice. I don't have them very often because I don't have a, much of a sweet tooth, but I will happily have custard on occasion when it's offered. <laughs> I've just tried that. That tastes like vanilla custard. It's good, isn't That's it? That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. And as Cameron was talking there, he was sort of talking about this silky, smooth Ooh. texture. And it is, isn't it? There is amazing mouthfeel where it's really coated the back of my mouth now. And all I can taste around the back is mm. that custard taste. Fair play. That's really impressive. I've been We've been excited about trying these for a, a good week or so, haven't we, since, since we've had them. It's kind of sweet, but not overpoweringly sweet with a little bit of bitterness at the end as well but it's got that great silky smooth feel to it i actually don't i don't really like that little bitter taste that you just talked about because i just want it to be super sweet all the way through but Mm. it doesn't matter because there's just that hint of bitterness i know what you mean about not wanting the bitterness and i could quite easily do without it but it does it reminds you you're drinking a beer doesn't it? exactly that's what i was going to say it serves to remind you what you're actually dealing with and it is a beer even though to start with it doesn't taste like one but that's excellent isn't it Six yeah. percent yellow matter custard. Well, while we enjoy this, should we pass back to Cameron to talk about the middle beer in this series of three? So the follow-up to yellow matter custard, uh, to just to break the sequence for a second, was actually dark matter custard next. And that was a beer we brewed with a little bit of inspiration from Yellow Matter. We just wanted to make that beer, that same sort of set of uh, really nice, sweet flavours. We wanted to make that into a stout. Because of the roasted qualities of the of the malts, we thought we'd best up the ABV to give the beer a bit more body to counteract the extra bitterness and that sort of, sort of burnt flavours from dark malt, which we didn't want to get because we wanted to taste like chocolate custard, not brownies. We love making sweet stouts. We really do. And this is probably one of our favourites because it's not got anything too out there flavour-wise. We we like to experiment with coffee and caramel and all these sorts of things. But with this one, it's just lots and lots of cacao, lots of vanilla, really, really nice. And again, thick body, really nice beer, coats the side of your glass. So you can like drink it over a period of like 45 minutes, keeps its head really nicely. And we absolutely love it. One of those beers, I would say, if you can, if you look out for in the future when the world reopens, if you ever see it on cask, don't hesitate and get yourself a pint. Uh, the day it came out first time around in 2018 or 19, I can't remember. It's a long old time, isn't it? Um, we all rushed to a bar called Valhalla in York. They put on the first and very one of the very limited casks of it, and we had quite a lot. It was a lovely evening, and uh, it's really nice in the can. But obviously, like sort of those sort of smaller bubbles and sort of viscosity you get with cask, just uh, yeah, really really nice. But another beer that we're super proud of. I'm liking the sound of this. Vanilla, cacao, 
The only bit I don't like is drink it slowly. I'm not sure that's going to happen, but let's pour it out. It's got all the makings of being a good one, this, Dave. I thought it might come out quite gloopy, almost. It, it, it hasn't, has it? It's No, it's quite... I don't know if it's going to taste thin, but it's sort of poured relatively thin, I'd say. Oh, just holding that about a foot from my nose, and I can smell it quite profoundly. I can hear it fizzing away as well. Cameron's right there. It's certainly got a nice head. Lots of those little bubbles in there. Let's taste. Let's taste it. What's the ABV on this one? Uh, this is seven. Seven and a half, in fact. Wow. It doesn't taste that strong. i tell you what I like about this is that it doesn't have that bitterness to it that the first one had. It's quite well-rounded and just stays the same throughout. I quite like that. I'm not sure you're quite so convinced. I think you, you're still pining for the, to finish off the yellow matter custard, but I do quite like this. I do find it quite sweet as well. Certainly getting vanilla and the cacao's coming through. Whether it actually tastes like custard is, a, like you said, is a different matter, but I like it. Okay, so I think it's fair to say that after having two of them, it's probably one all. I really loved yellow matter, and you are really taken with the dark matter. Absolutely. So you're all over the chocolate custard stout. I'm loving the vanilla wheat pale yellow matter custard, which means we've got one to go. And the third one, well, actually the second one, but the third one chronologically, is a brand new beer for this year. We thought if we're going to release yellow matter and dark matter as a set, be cool to bring out another one uh, at the same time. And as you probably know, if you if you follow anything to do with our brewery, all of our branding is like vibrant pink. We like to use the colour pink for our t-shirts, for our bar, for our pretty much for everything, our casks, our some of our pump clips, all that good stuff. And pink matter custard just seemed like a really logical uh, beer to come up with. It is effectively yellow matter custard, but even more so, and then fermented with something like it's around just slightly over what it says on the can, which is 200 grams of raspberry puree per liter of finished beer. Just imagine whatever vessel you're drinking from, like roughly 20% up up the glass, and that's uh, up the glass or the can or whatever. That's how much of what you're drinking is raspberry, and we're really really proud of that. Uh, I guess quite difficult not to get it to be too sour with raspberry being, you know, a tart, acidic fruit. Again, you know, balanced with the vanilla and the sweetness of the beer, something we're really pleased with. We took a bit of a gamble. It's a lot of a lot of fruit to put into a beer and we absolutely adore it. I think of the three, possibly my favourite. Yeah, it's really nice colour. It, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely pink. I hope you agree. Uh, but it's got that nice haze to it as well. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed the three custard beers. We're super excited to share them all with you for our fourth birthday. It's more of a present for us, really, but we hope that you like them as well. Cheers, guys. Cheers very much, Cameron. It's, what he says there, pink, my goodness, we've poured this out. This is pink. This is this is a vibrant pink, isn't it? And doesn't it smell fantastic? Brilliant. And the colour of it's phenomenal. It's, it's a really... Um, it's almost a... It's not a raspberry pink. It's um, sort of like a watermelony pink almost. Mm. Oh, I love a sour. And this is like, it's not sour, but it's it's edging down that path. It's a raspberry pale. And it's like a sour without being sour. It's like a sweet sour, if you want. Yes. The raspberries are there as you sort of start at the front end. It It's sort of heading that way of getting a little bit tart. But then that vanilla-y bit of the custard just rounds it all off. It's not as sweet as as the yellow matter because the raspberries make it um, more refreshing almost it somehow. Is, it's, it's quite a nice one actually to finish uh, the trio with when you're drinking them because it is quite refreshing, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I love that. I'm massively impressed with this and all of these beers. And I think these are the best beers I've had from Turning Point by a mile. Yeah, I'd concur. 
I started getting into Turning Point about 12 months ago, a few months before we started the podcast, when we went into the the first lockdown. I was sort of searching for beers and breweries I hadn't tried before, found Turning Point, and they'd, they released a pack of beers to go with a live tasting session, and I got that. And uh, since then, I've sort of followed them, and we had Cameron on the first podcast, and I've had other beers in between, but this set the best for me by a mile and I think the, my favourite of this three is this one the raspberry one that is that is excellent I think yeah yellow matter custard for me is the best but a great trio of beers and as you say definitely the best I've had from from the guys at Turning Point and it's rare you get a set of beers where you really enjoy all three of them usually there's one you think oh I'm not quite so keen on this but these three wow fantastic Really well done, and a very happy fourth birthday to Turning Point. You've done yourselves proud there, I think. Do head to their web shop and, and pick these up because they're brilliant. They're, they're really worth a try. You don't have to have them all at once like we have. You could spread these out and you'd be just as delighted. But, yeah, really, really good beers. That's it for this month. Join us again on April 19th for the next episode of Daft About Craft. You have been listening to Daft About Craft, the craft beer podcast, brought to you in association with independent bottle shop Real Ale. You can buy online at realale.com and in-store at Twickenham, Notting Hill and Made of Ale.